Welcome back to the Facts About PACs podcast brought to you by NABPAC, the National Association of Business Political Action Committees. I am your host, Michaela Isler, NABPAC's Executive Director. It's episode 17, and as July gives way to August, we have lost an American patriot, a civil rights leader, and a legislative force in the passing of John Lewis, who served in the United States House of Representatives for Georgia's 5th Congressional District from 1987 until his death this month from pancreatic cancer. You know, Michaela, it seems to me to be one of those moments when Americans of a certain age and above, you just feel hollow when you hear the news that John Lewis has died. He was, he was an American hero. He was a patriot. He was a civil rights icon. He's irreplaceable. Absolutely. Just the way people are lining up at the Capitol yesterday to pay their respects to him. He's an institution in D.C. and he's irreplaceable. When I lived in Atlanta, I had the opportunity on a number of occasions to be on the same flight with him to D.C. And I always sat back and watched the people in the Atlanta airport who would come up to him. Just the respect from little kids to older adults. Uh, it didn't matter where they came from or who they were, what their background was. He, he certainly was an icon. His leadership will be missed here in D.C. I did a double take this morning when the New York Times told me that there was an op-ed piece by John Lewis. I thought this had to be a mistake, but it's not a mistake. And I want to share with our Facts About PACs podcast audience what the late John Lewis wrote. He said he just had to visit Black Lives Matter Plaza in Washington, D.C., even though he had been hospitalized just days prior. He had to see and feel it for himself. That after many years of silent witness, he wrote, the truth is still marching on. Emmett Till, he said, was my George Floyd. He was my Rashida Brooks, Sandra Bland, and Breonna Taylor. Wow. We talk about facts about PACs here on the podcast, but those facts about our country were spoken by John Lewis so eloquently, even in death. And that was very powerful. Yeah, beautiful. We will always remember Congressman Lewis for all that he did for our country. We will miss him here in Washington, D.C., and he is certainly irreplaceable. So with that, Adam, why don't we light this candle? The Facts About PACs podcast is produced especially for the members of the National Association of Business Political Action Committees. In every episode, we recap this week's NABPAC activities, share actionable intelligence and best practices, all while connecting the PAC community. Thanks, Adam. Well, we have an excellent show for you today. I'm very excited to introduce you to a very dear friend of mine for at least 20 years here in Washington, D.C. She is the PAC Professionals PAC Professional. I am proud to say that Ellie Shaw has been my friend and colleague in this industry for years and years, and I'm excited to share you, your insights and achievement with our Facts About PACs audience. Thank you, Michaela. I'm so excited to be here with you and Adam and Abigail. For those that aren't aware, I'm sure you've come across Ellie at some point in time, but Ellie is American Express's Director of Federal Government Affairs, overseeing political education and involvement programs, which includes the PAC and grassroots. During her time at American Express, she has more than doubled the annual receipts for American Express's PAC, directed grassroots strategy, and developed internal communication updates on the company's public policy issues. And I'm pleased to say a new member to NAPAC. So Ellie, first and foremost, how are you 
doing in this COVID environment and how is American Express doing? Thanks, Michaela, for asking. So, of course, like everyone else, I think we have all used the word pivot. We have all pivoted many times over, I think, during this crisis and pandemic. We are doing fine at American Express. The PAC has gone through a lot of transition as well this year. I think we all came in with a plan of what we were going to do and now have had to make many changes going forward. But we're at a good spot right now and making plans to get through the elections and the end of the year. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I'm, I'm specifically curious in these last five months how COVID has impacted your PAC operations and how you've continued to engage not only your donors, but your PAC eligibles and all employees of, a- of Amex. We ha- actually had not launched our campaign when COVID really hit. So we typically launch our PAC campaign in early March. COVID started happening around the end of February, early March, and we decided at that point to suspend our campaign. So with that suspension, we we went down into a little bit of a quiet mode, but then we decided along with our PAC board that it was important to move forward. So in that time frame between now and um, July, we actually have reached out to our PAC eligibles about contributing to the PAC not all of them, but at the more more senior level. Also, we have thrown out basically what we were going to do as far as our communications plan this year and really have revamped that. So we've expanded it to not only those that have decided to give this year, but some of our past contributors. And in some cases, we have expanded it to a larger population depending on the events and where, where we're hosting and doing them. Setting COVID aside for a minute, how is the 2020 cycle different from past experiences? You know, I think that's an interesting question. I think each cycle, and as Michaela was saying, we go back 20 some years, so we've seen many cycles. But this cycle has definitely, I think, had some challenges within the last few years, whether it's the attack on employee-funded PACs, whether it's the challenges that have come up with COVID, with the racial injustice. There have been sort of many layers, I think, that have put a challenge to the PAC community. We strive to move forward. We strive to to do all of the things that that we can do for our, um, our employees, our members. But it's definitely a challenging, challenging time. And I think there are definite ways to to move forward and to help our employees understand what we do. It's not as easy as some of the media sound bites, however. So we have a challenge, I think, in this environment. We're all struggling with that in this moment. And I think something unique about you, Ellie, as I said at the outset, the common theme throughout your work in the PAC community has been mentoring and educating and giving back to the PAC community. Talk about how you've been able to mentor women specifically in our industry. I think that's one thing that is really important as we look around the PAC industry, whether it's women, whether it's diversity, I think all of those things are extremely important. And so I think one thing that has been very important in my career has been to pull up and bring up the women and others that come behind us. And so to me, that's a really important part of what I do, what I want to do on a daily basis is think about those that are coming up, those that we can mentor, those that we can help train. One, not only tell people and teach people a little bit more about political action committees, campaign finance, how PACs are the most transparent thing in elections, 
And so it's important to me that, that I always give back and, and reach out to those that are coming up, whether it's through mentoring, whether it's through interns, whether it's through those that are really interested in our community. Ellie, to be sure, being a PAC professional requires that you have a lot of different skill sets. You, you have to know a lot about a lot of different things to be a PAC professional. PAC people have to know a lot about a lot of different things. As we all know, PACs are like running a small business. So we have to have a lot of different talents and skills and doing a lot of different things, whether it's working with our PAC members, whether it's doing kind of the marketing behind our PAC, whether it's doing communications behind our PAC. It takes a lot of different skills. Policy does fit into that. I think PAC managers, directors, need to know about the policies of the organizations where we work. And I wouldn't say that we take a deep dive on all of those policy areas, but I think we have to have awareness and background in the policies that our organizations do. So we may not be the policy experts on everything. We have people that we work with that we can reach out to when those topics come up, but we need to be conversational, at least in all of those topics, if not have a little bit more substance behind them. Really, the PAC professional is the face many times of the government affairs program. That's really oftentimes the only person that your employees see really most of the year is the PAC professional. So you do have to have that level of understanding of the issues and to be able to articulate why a company like Amex would be engaged in the political process. Ellie, from corporations to associations to PACs, the focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion is very much at the forefront right now. It is here at NABPAC. What are your thoughts about our industry in this regard? And have you seen progress over the years with your work really at PLEN, PACPALS, Public Affairs Council, and now NABPAC? Yes, I think there is a great focus on this important topic right now. And I think everybody has had to take a real step back and think about it on a personal level as well as an organizational level. So personally, there's been a lot of thinking about how can I change? How can I reflect on helping in this area as well as our companies and our organizations? My work through organizations like the Public Leadership Education Network Plan, as you mentioned, has been really important. We work with college-age women across the country and internationally, those international students who come as well. The organization brings students to Washington or has brought students to Washington and now has been in more of a virtual environment but attracts more than 55% of women that are underrepresented in many different aspects. And so I think what is heartening and what is hopeful is that there are women who are interested that have such diverse backgrounds. And so the pipeline, I think we are doing very well on pipeline. So what can we be doing now to attract those people that want to enter into our community, into our business, into being PAC managers and directors. What can we be doing today? And I think NABPAC is doing a lot of work in that area, which I'm really excited about, led by, I think, John Mason. So I'm really excited to see what what NABPAC is doing in this area as well. That's awesome. And I definitely am passionate about bringing new people into this world as well. It's such a rewarding environment to be a part of, and I would love to see more diversity in that. From your perspective, what do you think the future state of employee-funded PACs is? 
Abigail, that is such a loaded question. I think employee-funded PACs, it's a really interesting thing, and I, and I can't attribute what I'm going to say next to myself. I did not come up with it. But really, the PAC profession is a relatively new profession. And so we haven't even really gone through an entire cycle where someone has started as a PAC manager and maybe has retired as a PAC manager or has grown in that role in some ways. So we're at a very, I think, important and pivotal point in the PAC profession. It's still, of course, very important, but I see sometimes that it goes in cycles. And it's a cycle where sometimes you are in a peak of the cycle where we see the professionalization of the of the profession. And then we kind of go in a cycle where it's not maybe regarded as highly as it should be. And it takes some kind of an event that makes that pendulum and sort of cycle change. So I am hopeful that the employee-funded PAC profession is one that continues for a very long time. It's important for all corporations, and I think as part of the political process, as well as part of the government affairs office and toolbox as a whole, to have involvement in civic engagement, because it's not only, I think, as you were saying earlier, Michaela, just about political giving and and contributions, but it is that thing that is greater as far as civic engagement, as far as grassroots engagement. And so, It's not only, I think, just money in the political process and PACs being the most transparent of that, but I think it's it's an interesting time, Abigail, as you point out, and the future, I think, will be interesting to see where where it goes long term. Well, Ellie, thank you so much for your time today. We are so excited to have you on the Facts About PACs podcast, excited to have you as a part of the NABPAC team and family. Thank you for your insightful comments. Thank you so much. It's been such a treat to be here. Thanks, Michaela, Abigail, and Adam. And an important show note here, next week, Kip Maloney of NFIB joins the podcast. You can't afford to miss it. To all of our listeners and all of the NAB packers everywhere, stay safe, stay engaged, and keep moving forward.